What's up, you dirtbags? We are back again. We've got another episode. Uh, we just wrapped up our second Dirtbags University. Uh, we had that on November 23rd. For those of you who don't know, Luke and I have been grinding out at the university. We are bringing construction owners uh, together from across the world and just diving into more content in a live webinar series. So Luke, we just finished that up. Um, how are we doing? Cheers. And uh, here's to a big podcast. Yeah, no, that was that was fantastic. A huge, huge learning curve as far as like cash flow and just overall business development as far as like healthy financials. So I mean, I took a lot away from it. So yeah, and just trying to bring people together in like a fun setting. Obviously, we've talked about that before and and we'll dive more into that with our guests here too. So um before I go on any further, gotta introduce um our huge guest, um, our guy, Mr. Diesel and Iron. We've got Brian Furness in studio. How are we doing, brother? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us, taking the time Dude. out of your day. Yeah, yeah we uh I think you're gonna have to teach Luke and myself on some backdrop, um, backdrop yeah. ideas because you've got Fire it going on out there. Suck. You know, this is this is hundreds of hours of ingesting Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat and and then and then going to the store and spending like $150 and being like, well, oh, that's good enough. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. It looks 100%. Great. 100%. Because before I did this, uh, in one of my early on videos, I, I said, I'm coming at you live from an Al-Qaeda terrorist training organization because that's what it looked like. It was a totally flat backdrop and me just sitting here by myself. And I was like, dad, this yeah. isn't going to fly. <laughs> I'm going to sure. taking shots at both of us right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, hey, at least um, you've got some doors to break up the white background, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a little bit going on there. You know, you got the corner, but uh, you got so, the vent. <laughs> yeah. So Brian, I mean, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Brian owns Diesel and Iron and is also a host of the Sweat and Grime podcast. So Sweat and Grime podcast is just an electric platform. It's an electric podcast. Uh, I'd say it's somewhat similar to the dirt bags, where you can kind of just let her fly, like. You, Rick, and Matt um, are just incredible hosts, and you guys have been, I mean, just killing it. So before we kind of dive into that, like the Diesel and Iron YouTube page, like if, if people listening aren't following you, I highly recommend it because you dive into a little bit of everything. We also do it in a way that you're like delivering content. There's like strategy behind it. You're not, you're not just like throwing content at the wall. I mean, you, you have a strategy behind diesel and iron. So if you don't mind talking a bit about that and like how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah. So, so how far back in the story do you want to go? Do you want to kind of start with the origination of diesel and iron, or are we talking yeah. getting into the industry kind of oh, bring it all the way back? Let's do okay. it. All right. So here we go. Let's, let's wind her up. So, um, I started as a banker, believe it or not. Um, my yeah. dad was in bank consulting. And so I decided out of high school, like, let's go make a shitload of money like dad. I'm going to go into bank consulting. And so, uh, did an internship with him at, uh, at a, a firm and did data analysis and it was utterly miserable, but you know what? There's that nice carrot at the end that you're going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. And so that, that's the only thing that held me there too, because it was miserable. And so I uh, went into college and I actually dabbled around with the idea of going into engineering. I started uh, as an engineering major until calculus and physics absolutely destroyed me. Took calculus three times, um, you know, at, because it took that many times to get through it. And, uh, 
And so that was very short lived. And so I was like, okay, now, now we're dedicated to banking. And so I was like, we're going into banking. So I went and got my business marketing degree. Uh, and during getting my degree, uh, I got a job at a credit union, uh, because you got to start at the bottom and in the banking industry, that's starting as a teller. So I wouldn't, man, I want to say I spent about six years in the banking industry total between doing internships with dad, working um, at a couple different organizations, and then this credit union finally. And ultimately, it just, I'm sorry, I'm not an inside guy. I like my facial yeah. hair. I like my tattoos. I like to be able to say fuck in the middle of the day when I get angry. Can't and really none do that of that's going to happen. Yeah, 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 can't do that at a bank. And, uh, and so ultimately, I... I got out of the banking industry by getting myself fired um, and I went into landscaping and uh, didn't matter. I was making garbage wages. Didn't matter that I had no idea what I was doing. I was outside doing what I love working with my hands. Um, and I had uh, my mom's side of the family was in the skilled trades and I had always had a ton of respect for them. And so that's kind of where I, I started to shift gears and go, I want to do something in the trades. Yeah. Um, so I dabbled around with starting my own landscape company, failed at that, um, worked at Home Depot, did a bunch of ver just a variety of jobs and ultimately landed with my passion since I have been a little kid is construction equipment. I love every aspect about it. And so I told my wife one day, I was like, I think I want to go run construction equipment. And my wife is awesome, supportive, loving. She just said, all right, we'll go figure it out. And so I went and got a job within like three days of making that decision. I went and got a job running 40 ton off-road haul trucks. And yeah. like I was a kid in a candy store. I, it didn't even matter that I was in Texas at the time. Wages were garbage. I want to say I was making 12 or 13 bucks an hour running this off-road truck. And I was like, I don't even care. Like you could almost, I would almost be willing to do this for free at this point. And so that was kind of my start in the industry. Um, I did that down in Texas for about a year and a half. And because wages are so terrible and my wife has a big family, ended up moving back to Michigan. And uh, and the Michigan, the Michigan, Michigan has a great union presence. And so wages are significantly better. And so uh, hired in with a residential company, kind of learned the ins and outs of the business, started to learn how to run excavator, dozer, got my CDL, driving a dump truck, kind of got all of my basics in. And, and I'll come back to this. There's a reason I want to highlight this. Uh, I didn't have any tie to the trades other than I had an uncle that was an electrician. Uh, my grandfather built his own houses, did, you know, rough and fine carpentry, did stuff like that. But like, I didn't have anyone in construction that I knew. Yeah. And so um, my kind of trial in the industry was pretty rough because you don't know anything and it's not even like I've got someone to ask questions to. And so, uh, got enough skills under my belt at the residential company that I ultimately went to a, a huge union company up here in Michigan called Dan's excavating and went and worked for them for five and a half years doing heavy civil work. Um, then my kids came along and in Michigan, it's different in the South, but up here in Michigan, in the North, you get about seven months of really good working weather and you don't see home during that seven months because you're, you're pulling 14, 16 hour days, generally six to seven days a week on these big, these big jobs. Uh, and so when my kids came along, I decided to shift gears and I went and sold equipment because I had a little bit of sales experience from my consulting days, uh, combine that with my equipment experience because what I found out is no one in this, the industry that sells equipment actually runs equipment. 
And so, uh, so combined those and actually went into selling equipment. I sold case equipment for two and a half years and then lovely, lovely COVID came along and, uh, got the phone call one day, Hey, we're trimming down for COVID and you're one of the first to go. I was like, okay. So, um, when I was working at the residential company years back, uh, I would, I started a YouTube channel because I watched guys on YouTube run heavy equipment. I was like, well, shoot, I, you know, I'll do that. I, I can throw a couple videos out there. And so over the course of like seven years, I had put up 20 videos, maybe 30 videos. And, uh, when I got shit canned at COVID, I got online and I had like 1100 subscribers and I'm going Damn. 1100 people randomly followed this channel with me putting zero effort into it. Like what would happen if I actually went and pushed it? And you but, had no idea that they like, this was happening. No, no, no idea. Cause I mean, it was like, this was the extent of my YouTube. I would take a video of me working for like 15 minutes or running a machine. And then I'd throw it online and then totally forget that I even did it. Like that was the extent yeah. of my YouTube channel at that point. And so I had no idea. So that's why it was such a shock that 1,100 people, like that's a small number in the grand scheme of things, but still like with no effort, 1,100 people wanted to subscribe. Yeah. So so we made the decision and yet again, my wife dove in head first with me and, and we started the YouTube channel and it was originally gonna start as um, just like another heavy equipment channel. It was just, I was gonna go out and film stuff running as I ran equipment, film some stuff, throw it up there and people just watch cause they love equipment. And, uh, I was on a job site one day and there was this 18, 19 year old kid and we start chatting it up about what I'm doing and why I'm filming. And he goes, man, I got into this industry and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a clue what to expect. And you know, the bells are starting to go off cause that was me. That's how I got into the industry. I know how difficult that is. And he's like, man, if there was just some sort of resource out there, someone with knowledge that was passing it on, that would have been so helpful. And that's kind of where the the real bell went off. And I was like, that's what diesel and iron is going to be. I'm going to become a resource for the industry because I was that kid. I, I got into this industry and I got my ass chewed because I didn't have any basic skills under my belt. I got my ass chewed because I was asking dumb questions all the time. And then I got my ass chewed because that's the construction industry. But I didn't know that. I didn't know what I was walking into. Luckily, I had a thick enough skin that I stuck it out. But I could absolutely, I, you know, I really empathize with the kids that quit after a week because this is a really hard industry to get into if you have no idea what you're getting into. And so that's kind of how Diesel and Iron was born. And that was about, and I think we're just over two years deep into this. No, I take that back. We're almost three years deep into this now. Because did you uh, guys start right around COVID time? Right. Or, uh, so we officially made the big push. Yeah. Okay. And, and COVID is, so I, I got laid off in March of 2020. Yep. And so by probably May, June of, of 2020, we had kind of locked into, okay, this is what I'd like to do. Um, and then we've dabbled with some other things. So, uh, I was posting vlogs for a long time. I found, you know, just kind of learning more about the YouTube space. When you get an audience, that audience wants you for one reason. And it's that primary content that they subscribe for. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with their content. Yeah. And so all of my vlog stuff would get like maybe 200 views when I post a vlog. But my down and dirties, which are my teaching videos, will get like 1,200 to 2,500 views. And it's like, okay, well, the channel has voted. I will take this garbage vlog stuff out of here. <laughs> and so I actually, I have a separate channel that's kind of simmering in the background. That's the diesel and iron construction vlog. 
and all it is is all of my old vlogs that are just posting once a week just to kind of build the content and build that channel out and it'll build an audience that's there for that content but i learned very quickly my teaching audience they they want they want the wisdom they don't care about all of the the cinematic footage and and your your dick jokes on the job so yeah yeah it's interesting man because you know you went from 1000 to 28.2 subscribers i mean it it's jumped and you like you said people are wanting to learn they're not wanting to like waste their time just kind of mindlessly watching videos they're there to learn and educate themselves which i think is really interesting because luke and i talk about that quite a bit with the dirtbags podcast and the dirtbags platform of just okay there's a level of just that you know having fun having a drink doing this and that but at the same time too like people are there to learn and they want to grow their business or they want to learn you know how to not look like an idiot when on their first day on the job so um how has like how have you seen the shift of you know this younger generation which which we're in consume content and just learn um like what they want to do but also like how, how have you seen that shift with diesel and iron so it's been really interesting because um being in the industry you kind of get the ground level view and and you've got these blinders on because you can yeah. only see your little area and now all of a sudden i have this thirty thousand foot view through the channel because now i'm getting thousands of comments from thousands of different people in all different areas of the country from around the world and so um it's been really interesting because there's um you know we think of this industry and we we just accept that apprenticeships are a thing you learn on the job that's how you go and get your knowledge <clears throat> excuse me allergies are terrible right now so i'm probably gonna hack all over this thing that's okay but uh yeah it's editing magic for sure <laughs> but um so so that's kind of widely been accepted as the way you get knowledge in this industry but that's the old school way of getting knowledge in this industry the younger generation has come along and i and i kind of used myself as a as a guide to all of this the whole way i learned about all this camera stuff and lighting and audio equipment and how to set up backdrops was youtube i mean 100 percent of my film education and audio education has been youtube and that's what the younger generation is doing for the construction industry they're not going to go call up a dirt contractor down the road or call up their buddy that's got a bulldozer and ask how you do something it's well i can hop online and, and youtube something or watch a quick TikTok video and now i've got that knowledge the internet is becoming that um that tradesman that they never had in their life and so uh, that's that's the major component that I'm noticing. But there's what the really interesting thing is there's a second component to this. And there there is a segment of the younger generation that wants to be in, in the trades. And everyone in their life is telling them it's a stupid career path and you're going to be a failure if you go that way. And so there is a segment of the population of these kids that that just want that like hand on the shoulder of someone that knows what they're talking about saying, Hey, you're not dumb. If you choose this as a career path, this is a really good career path. And the world is lying to you if they tell you different. And so that's actually been the most fascinating thing to me is how many kids want to work. And, um, and the real kicker is how hard the industry fights to keep them out. One thing I'm, I just came to my head right away and let me know what you guys think of this, but I feel like just off of assumptions, okay? 
everybody thinks that the construction industry is hard nose. It's a bad industry to get into. Like you said, Brian, you'll fail if you get into it. Right. And I feel like that's kind of the stigma when people think construction, Absolutely. but it's totally opposite. Right. Like it, it's almost kind of like a barriers of entry type thing. Yeah. It might be, you know, you got to have some tough skin to get into it. That's just the old school way of doing it. But say you, you know, say you make that year or two, I feel like people value you so much more after that time and commitment that it's almost like they'll do anything to keep you after that. And then that's where your career kind of excels. So I, there's, this is why I love, I love these conversations. I love this industry because there's so many dynamics at play right now. We're in this really weird time. Uh, I 100% agree with you now. Mm -hmm. The problem is we've only been in now for a very short time, because if yep. you go back, traditionally, you think about construction, that's the grunt work. It's it's kids that or, or adults even that don't have an education. They don't have any other skill sets other than they know how to move dirt around or they know how to lay block or they know how to frame a house. Mm -hmm. And and traditionally, as a populace, we didn't all have college educations. And so the vast majority of people were in the bucket of. I'm going to go do a skilled trade because I don't have an education to go earn more money doing this, this more educated skill. And so I would argue in the past, it wasn't that way. It was exactly what you originally described. It was no one appreciated you. You were a dime a dozen, you know, I don't care if you screw up, I'm firing you and I'm going to get the next, you know, warm seat, you know, to sit down here and take your spot. But now, because of the fact that we as a country have spent the last 50 plus years telling everyone, go to college or you're going to be a failure. Now, all of a sudden, our whole labor pool has dried up. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be in the trades anymore because you're a failure if you go that route. Mm -hmm. And and just, I would even say, I mean, I would even argue just within the last five years is where contractors have really started to understand the gravity of the situation. And that mentality has flipped to where now if you're a qualified quality individual, people will fight over you, they'll pay for you. And, and yeah, there's never been a better time to get into the trades, but that's a relatively recent development. If you really think about it. Yeah. Like probably five years, six years, right? Uh, kind of absolutely. My... Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I worked for Dan's I left Dan's about seven or eight years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, and it was just starting to kind of, people were just starting to pick up on the labor problem. Yep. But it, it wasn't really the full-blown recognition of, oh, we have a, we have a huge problem with the mm -hmm. entire industry. It was more of, oh, well, locally, we're just, we don't have that many people. Yep. So, so it's really recent that that dynamic has really flipped. Yeah, I, I'm speaking, you know, off experiences in the past too, where I started at a concrete company, I was $12 an hour, I laid rebar, right. And I yeah. feel like, you know, year one, that's what you did. That's just what you were hired to do. You know, if, if you don't work out, you don't work out. But, you know, after year one, you develop some skills, you develop kind of a system on how they operate. That's when tides kind of changed a little bit to where, Hey, we need to, you know, Hey, you did this really good. We're going to give you a raise. Hey, you've got a company pickup now to get you from job to job, things like that to where, yeah, you know, I, I, I bring that into like our space because if you can, like you said, you don't, I feel like you don't have to prove yourself, but if you are able body, you're willing to learn and you just take initiative, that's just going to happen regardless. Cause I feel like all of these companies need that need those good people, but 
again, like you said, everyone thinks that college was the way to go, which isn't really, as you can see by your YouTube channel. I feel like there's so many people that are just hungry for information now. You know, as a college man yourself, I'm sure you could probably relate. Like, I didn't learn any of this in college. You know, YouTube no. University is where you picked yeah. up on, right? 100%. And I, that's where everybody's going now. So for you, basically breaking down those barriers of entry for those younger generation to either, you know, start their own or just give them some wisdom to get into the trades. I feel like that's super valuable. Yeah, it's as soon as I had that conversation with that kid, that was where it all just kind of clicked in because because I was that kid. I, I know I keep saying that, but it, it really was that resonated with me so hardcore because there were so many times where I thought, why am I doing this? Like, I've got to be doing the shittiest job ever to be getting yelled at this much. Yeah. And it and it took so much time for me to really understand, like, no, this is just the way the trades communicate. And sometimes, like, you have to outright tell your, like, I had a superintendent that I outright had to tell him to fuck off yeah. before I finally got his respect and he finally stopped pounding me about everything. Yeah. No one tells you about that because you're busy taking bubble tests in school and learning how to read a passage and regurgitate the information. No one talks about practical. Well, certainly no one's going to talk about trades knowledge in school. Why, how, why would we waste our time? Mm -hmm. So that's so true. It just, and that's a school problem too, right? They're, they're based off a curriculum that was good for, you know, 50 years ago, maybe they were, you know, who was it? Was it John D Rockefeller that said, I don't want to, I don't want a country of business owners i want a country of workers or something or a, a union of workers that sounds right i don't know something who said like it, that yeah, yeah. yeah. i feel like that was the whole mentality back then too you go to college you get a good job you retire and off you go now it's so much different and again education i don't know what everyone's political views are but i really think the school systems are dumbing down our education systems to where like our standardized testing is not what it was even 10 years ago so that education piece on YouTube and just the accessibility of it is huge. So yeah, it it's crazy. Uh, so so that's a, the the education component by itself. Take all of the other trades dynamics that are going on right now. The education component in our country is such an interesting conversation by itself. So the the two biggest complaints I get from contractors all the time is nobody wants to work, mm -hmm. and these kids have no idea how to think. And I hear that all the time, again, because I'm dealing with the aggregate thousands of contractors all the time you hear that. No one wants to work and these kids don't know how to think. And so I really spend a lot of time thinking about that. If you think about it, our kids are coming out of the education system and they're, exact, they're, they're acting exactly how we've trained them to act. Correct. If you think about your entire education is spent preparing for standardized tests, which are A, B, C, D answers, or none of the above. That's your entire education as a kid. And so what happens is, first of all, let's address the no one wants to work issue. There's, there's, there's a couple dynamics going on there. First is uh, the contractors have got this preconceived notion that, oh, well, you, you guys look kind of young. You must fall into that category. I've already written you off. And so I'm going to be a dick to you all day long, and I'm going to yell at you and scream to you until you prove yourself and then I'll give you some respect. And meanwhile, you're coming in green going, well, if I'm getting yelled at and screamed at, why the fuck am I still hanging around here? Like, this is a stupid place for me to be. I'm going to McDonald's 
And in mm. this day and age, McDonald's is only paying maybe a dollar an hour less. But what you that's, would be out that's there. well worth it. Yeah, yeah, I'll go make that trade all day long. So that's one dynamic that's going on. The second dynamic there to the whole no one wants to work thing is anyone that has any sort of drive wants to succeed naturally. No yeah. one wants to have drive and then go take a route of failure. Mm -hmm. When we've told everyone in the education system that college is the only way to be successful, by default, the only kids that are going into the trades outside of the ones that have a really strong desire to are the kids who don't want to go to college because they have no drive. They don't care. And so we are getting the kids that literally don't give a shit and they don't want to work. Yep. But that's not this younger generation being worthless. It's the fact that we've taken everyone we can possibly shove into college and we've told them go to college. And so we only get the leftovers. And then you go over to the, and this is the really interesting thing. You go over to the issue of these kids don't know how to think. Well, you've just spent the past, how, how many years are you in school in total? You know, roughly 15, 14, somewhere in there. 14, 15 years. Yeah. So you've taken these kids for 14 years and teaching them, you read this passage and you pick from A, B, C, D, E. And so now you want those kids to suddenly go out into the real world and you want them to critically think for themselves. Yet you've done nothing but teach them how to take a bubble test. You didn't teach them critical thinking at all. So these kids literally don't know how to think outside of A, B, C, D, E. If, if it's not on the paper, you pick E. There's still an answer that applies. And so you go put that kid on a machine and say, hey, figure out why this is broken. How are they supposed to even know where to start? You haven't yep. given them the skills to even begin to dissect that problem. Mm -hmm. And so really, I'm in full agreement. Our education system is totally failing our kids yep. uh, on multiple levels. Take the trades out of it entirely. The fact that we're, we're teaching entire generations how to not critically think is is terrible like mm. you have to be able to think for yourself you have to be able to dissect a problem and come up with a solution when one's not given and yeah. we're totally failing our kids that way no what do you see on your videos for like um you know your q a's what are some of the questions people are asking you is there kind of a trend that you've noticed as far as the questions the biggest trend how do i get into the industry like that's yeah. and that's what angers me the most about our education system is we're failing these kids so hard that that these kids don't even know how to get into the industry which my answer is fill out an application it's literally there are no hurdles there are no steps there's no special screening or testing you have to you literally go hire in at a company as a laborer and yet we failed our kids so much in fact i want to do a whole video where i just go up to a high school and as kids are coming out i want to stick a microphone in their face with the camera and say, hey, how do you become a lawyer? How do you become a doctor? And they're gonna be able to walk you through all those steps. Oh, yep. you gotta go to college, and then you gotta Church go to boards. law school, take the bar. They'll walk you through the, every detail of it. And then I'm gonna hit them with, well, how do you become a certified plumber? How, how do you become an excavator operator? Yep. How do you become an electrician? And you know all those kids are gonna stand there with their mouths open. None, none of them know because oh, we don't talk about the trades in school. That's for the riffraff. I'd love to see, I'd love to hear that feedback too, on what some people say, like, well, I'll, I'll never go to the trades. Why, why would I need to know that? Or that's, you know, I don't care. I'm not going for that. But, but if you think about it, how many kids, male and female, how many kids grow up playing with Tonkas in the sandbox or 
taking dad's hammer out and banging some nails into a piece of wood or you're out cutting down trees with the saw I mean, i'd we, say 90 percent, a yeah, lot absolutely a lot yep and you're telling me that out of this giant funnel of life that we have you start with 90% of the kids being interested in outdoor things, trades related things. And somehow in the funnel of life, only two to 5% come out somehow being interested in the trades. Like yeah. give me a break. That's, that's not life filtering those out. That's our education system telling them, Hey, it's time to put the toys away and it's time to get serious about what you're going to do. So I'll take a different stab at this. Do you think it's getting better? I mean, this is for Luke and you, Brian, uh, because what I've kind of seen is that, uh, you know, just the way people consume content, like there is this cult-like following of Dirt World content. Like people love looking at machines. They love getting involved. And I I feel like it's getting better. It might not, it might not, you know, if we look at the numbers, but there's never been like this platform where people can just enjoy like, heavy machinery like so easily um so do you think that that's kind of going to help it on top of covid like putting the axe down on college education systems of like why am i paying 20 grand for uh, a semester for online education like this doesn't make any sense do you think it's shifting at all so luke do you want to answer that one first or you want me to i've kind of got to luke I've got kind of, <laughs> Luke, that was a really good question because my my head kind of went to a different area. I, I, I think it is getting better, right? But I also, I also think there's new struggles with that, right? Yeah. Like it's not easy for business owners to find those people. Everybody knows that. Obviously, the, I'll call it blue collar and trades is getting a lot more interest because of social media and people can see you know, how cool things are like Ken White, he does a fantastic job on just presenting what they do to day to day, right? But there's also missing pieces, right? They only show the good stuff. I think more people got to show the bad. But then on people's standpoint, it's entitlement. I feel like the biggest thing right now is entitlement and expectations. Nobody wants to start at the bottom with the opportunities that are out there and just kind of the attitudes we, my, and I'll say it, our generation has not gone through any type of struggle, right? We were born in the early or the late nineties and the early two thousands. Obviously there was the housing crash and dot-com bubble, but we never felt that we never had to go through the repercussions yeah. of that. All we've really seen is green grass. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's getting better, but at the same time, there's nothing really that we can compare it to. Because we haven't seen those hard times and we haven't really seen, you know, my generation, the generation after me really try to buckle down and achieve something. Everything's just kind of been handed to us in a way. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with a lot of, of what you just said. And and I do want to compliment you. There's a lot of wisdom in everyone likes to pat themselves on the back at how hard their life has been. And and I think it's pretty uh, insightful for you to recognize that. Yeah. The younger generations, um, even my generation, the the 07 time was difficult. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were just getting out into the workforce, getting out of college. So, so we did kind of rough that one pretty hard, but even then, when you, when you think back in the history of this country, like we don't it's know what drops in a bucket. Is. I feel like compared 100%, to one hundred percent, nobody yeah. knows what hardship is compared to to the way things were. So, um, so I did want to pat you on the back for that. But, um, 
to answer the overall question, is it getting better is difficult because there's just so many complex dynamics at play. I do think um, one material aspect that is getting better is is I've I've started to use the phrase the trades have to take back the narrative. So for the last 40 plus 50 plus years, it's been the white collar world that's taken the narrative and said, hey, this is what the blue collar world is. And this is what the white collar world is. Which one do you want to be a part of? Yeah. And and the blue collar world has not really done anything to seriously combat that until I would say Mike Rowe came along, in all honesty. Dirty jobs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mike Rowe with dirty jobs was was the first time that I can ever remember sitting down and watching someone not only talk about the trades, but put a beaming spotlight on them and go, these are really cool, fulfilling, rewarding jobs. Like it was, it was really putting a positive light on the trades. And I think that was the first time the blue collar world in a very long time stood up and went, yeah, like that's us. Like, hell yeah. I'm part of that group because up until then, and this is the weird thing about our country too. If you go back to like world war two, this and the great depression and everything, this country was built on the trades. And to this day, we pride ourselves on the trades, right? I mean, who do we think of in the wartime posters? It's Rosie the Riveter. No, that's a woman with her sleeves rolled up with her fucking hair tied back. And she's doing hard fucking work to build this country and defend our nation. And we still, to this day, like to think that's us. That's Americans. Goddamn right. Well, that well, that's not me. That's somebody else. But somebody but else. you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I mean that's how the that's how we've looked at the trades for the past fifty years. Mm-hmm. And Micro kind of went no, like these are legit jobs. And then the blue collar world kind of got behind that, and they were and they swelled up a little bit. They're like, yeah, that's us. And then nothing happened for a while, unfortunately. And, uh, and to be honest, that's a lot of what inspired me to do the channel and go the route that I have is we need more people. And, and I don't mean to become the spokesperson. We need a hundred micros. We need a thousand micros all going, Hey, this is what we do. We're fucking proud of it. And by the way, we're pulling over six figures doing it. So no suck on that white collar world. I mean, really, that's where we need to be at this point is, you know, you're pushing everybody to college, telling them this is the way to go. Meanwhile, that guy that you keep pointing to and telling your kids, that's why you stay in school. He's making 40 to 60 grand more than you are, dad. No. Like that's the reality of the trades. No. And so uh, to circle back to the question, is it getting better? I don't think we're anywhere close to it getting better yet, but I do think we've initially taken those steps where through social media, through YouTube, uh, TikTok has been huge. The trades are finally starting to take back that narrative a bit. And they're starting to gain the confidence to stand up and go, you guys are wrong about us. This is not, this is not a route of failure. This is not just for the, this is not just for raging alcoholics who can't get a regular job. This is a legit career path and we're making really good money. One thing I want to touch on too is you you brought up a good point, but like stigmas, right? I feel like there's a lot of people that have stigmas of the construction industry as far as like overall quality of life. Like you had said, there was that seven month time frame to where we're working 14 to 16 hours, six to seven days a week, right? Yep. That's not very appealing to young generation. They sure. want, you know, 
they want to travel. They want to try new things. They want to go new places. You know, I don't see a lot of people going out and be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go work seven days a week for 25 years. You know, (laughs) so I'm never going to see home. (laughs) Yeah. Never see home. Fuck home. I don't want to go there. That's right. (laughs) I think there needs to be more. There needs to be more exposure on companies on how they take care of their people. Because I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, if you do concrete, you're going to have a broken back by the time you're 35 or he's 35 going on 65, right? So, and I know there's a lot of companies out there that really try to invest back in to give the best type of machinery, the best type of, you know, management structure, the best type of just overall good business policies to try to make everybody's job easier. But you don't hear about a lot of them unless you experience them. And, and in all honesty, this is yet another aspect like we're I'm so pumped about the trades because we like collectively my generation and your generation, we are in this weird time where everything is changing. Yep. And so, uh, again, traditionally, the trades has been exactly the stigmas that that you talk about. It's been crazy long hours. It's been you're you're an asset. You know, that's one thing that that I will say construction has done really well is managed to make people into assets as opposed to thinking them of people. And um, and so as a result, yeah, I agree. The trades have not been appealing for a long time, but we're finally at this point where uh, there, there aren't thousands of bodies behind you and I yep. that, that we can just go out the door and they can find someone to fill that seat tomorrow. And so as a result, the contractors are now having to kind of wake up to the fact that business as usual isn't going to work. You do have to cater to the younger generation because in all honesty, between you and me, the younger generation's right. We shouldn't be working the crazy hours. We should be doing more to take care of our bodies. We should be doing more to protect, you know, OSHA came around and everyone, of course, had a problem with OSHA in the beginning. How dare you try? How are we supposed to get our work done with all these safety rules? And yet now you go on a job site and people are pissed if OSHA doesn't have a say in what's going on. Of course, we're going to wear hard hats and we're going to have fall protection or I'm not going to work. It's a right. And so we're kind of in the next stage of that to where contractors are having to recognize like, no, we should not be working unbelievable crazy hours just for the sake of doing it. Now it's construction. It's the trades. Mm -hmm. There's going to be days where you just, there's no getting around it. We got to pull the hours. We've got to get this done. But does that need to be the norm for everyone across the board all the time? Absolutely no. not. No, I, I 100% agree. The, the Like you said, the long hours are tough. There, there are times where you're going to have to do it, right? If there's, there's certain, you know, like we did a water project over in, you know, way, way west North Dakota to where the only time we could perform this was after hours, right? Yeah. There was no getting around it. We had to cut off water supply to a building. That's the only time they would let us. So yes, there are instances like that. But as far as having, you know, a quality of life given to your guys and to have, you know, your employers show that to them, that's where you're going to get your good people. And again, for anybody yeah. who owns a business here, start doing that if you're not. Yes. Yeah. And oh, go ahead, Luke. Yeah. I was going to say, Luke, even like snow removal too. I mean, you can't control you know, how that's going to work. Like you need to be out there and it needs to kind of be those long hours. But I've also seen companies too, that take very good care of their, their employees. And they, you know, it's almost like it's got this um, momentum or this compound effect where all of a sudden the gas station is giving them free stuff and then they get the city contract and then they're flying the flag and like, they just love being a part of the company. And 
that's a whole nother like subject, but really taking care of them and showing them that, Hey, we appreciate you so much. We're going to show you that we do because we need you here. And uh, yeah, it, it, the days of just like kind of jumping in, jumping out are, are going to get a lot tougher because Brian, like you said, there's not a whole lot of bodies around, especially in the next few years, you know, when other people start retiring, you know, the bo- baby boomers, it's going to be even more difficult. Absolutely. I think, uh, again, so many factors at play. You've got a bunch of the boomers, you know, the, the median age in our industry, I want to say is like 55 or 56 right now. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking within the next 10 years, a huge portion of our workforce is going away. Um, we still don't have nearly the number of people coming in the front door that we need to, to even begin to try to replace those people. Uh, contractors are aware of the problem. America isn't going to find out about this problem for about another five to 10 years. When you go to build a house that should have cost you 250, 275, it's 450 to 500 now. And that's just because of labor costs. Cause you're now paying a of that with COVID though. I think oh, 100%. COVID was a really good wake up call on that because absolutely just the price increases just because of availability. Well, and, and so this get kind of goes back to, to the previous question of, is it getting better? Uh, in some ways, I would argue it's not getting better. And, and one of those is, uh, again, politics aside, whether you agree or disagree, we just did that huge college debt relief. And so all that did in my mind is it took this next generation that's getting ready to make the big leap on what they want to do with their life. And they go, oh, well, well, college is still viable because hopefully by about the time I graduate, there's going to be another college relief that, or, you know, college debt relief that comes through. And then I won't have all of those student loans. And so we didn't address the main root cause of the issue. We just put a big giant bandaid over top of it and went, ah, good enough. And so all we did is tee up another generation to go with the false hope that they're going to get debt relief and they can go get this free education. And and I'm sorry, that's not the case. And so, you know, America is going to have a giant wake up call here in the next five to 10 years because labor rates are going to go crazy. And everything is, you know, at the end of the day, everything's a market and it all flows as a market right now. You have a huge demand for tradesmen and you have no supply. And so just labor prices alone are going to continue to rise and rise and rise while you have all these college graduates. So you've got a huge supply and no demand because there's all these jobs that are already filled with college graduates. They're going to be making 40, 50 grand a year because why would I pay you more? You are now, you're now the new skilled tradesman essentially is what's happened. We've flipped the whole equation. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeing the trends though of a lot of these big tech companies, these big corporations doing a lot of layoffs. Yes. A lot of layoffs to where that should kind of tell people like, oh, hey, you know, maybe it's not very green on this side. We could get cut like that. Absolutely. One of the things we've talked about is colleges should should be required to implement some sort of an educational tool when they try to convince you to go to college. Yep. If the, if you pick a certain major or you talk about a certain major, they should be able to supply how many jobs there are mm-hmm. for that. And then how many college graduates are graduating every year with a degree for that. Just mm-hmm. so you have an accurate representation of what that job pool's like. Because right now there is no truth and honest information. It's go to college and you'll make a shitload of money. There's, there's, it's guaranteed. I'm not going to put that in writing, but it's guaranteed. Yep. That's yeah, what we'll, we tell, we'll tell you that right now. Just, just trust yeah. us. 
Yeah. And by the way, money, when you decide to go to college, rains from the sky around you. It's, it's magic. free. It's the For most sure. incredible thing. I just, I didn't even have to put effort in. I literally went and spent a half hour filling out these forms and money just started. It was like a Nickelodeon show. Money just starts raining down from the ceiling around me. And Start you can use it on whatever you want. You want. Yeah, you can buy a car with it. You could buy a TV. <laughs> like you don't have to use it for college. It's incredible. And then on the backside of that, they're like, oh, by the way, that debt that we gave you, you can't ever get out from under it. You, you can't declare bankruptcy. You can't treat it like medical bills. It's with you forever. So sorry. 20% interest on that over 20 100%. Years. Yeah. Enjoy life, buddy. I'm going to tell you right now, if it weren't for the fact that my parents helped us out with my student debt, I am 38 years old and I still would not be in a house right now. That no. is, that is what student yeah. debt does to you. And that's with a marketing degree. That's a business degree. And, and, you know, not to toot my own horn too hard here, but I'm not an idiot. I could have gone and gotten a pretty decent white collar job mm -hmm. and still struggled to be in a house at 40 years old. Yep. 100%. I yeah, it just like taking that, like the realism of that is kind of, it's really kind of shocking because that is just the trend right now. Nobody can afford anything because they have, I'll call it bad debt. They have this really bad debt behind them that they can't shake and it always stays with you. And, and, yeah. and you know, it's causing so many problems as a, on our society at large, the depression that you hear about with the younger generations, the fact that, you know, I want to say I read a deal the other day that 60% of Americans are going into Christmas live, living paycheck to paycheck right now. That number might even be a little low, but it's by far and away the majority of Americans cannot afford to live. And when we think traditionally of Americans in those, we think of the adults, right? The boomers. But that's not who that's talking about. Most of the boomers at this point are almost out of the workforce and out of all of those metrics. We're talking about your generation and my generation. All the ones that came up with all that student debt. We can't afford houses. We can't afford nice cars. We can't afford new stuff. I mean, we t I hear all the time about how like the new markets for things are struggling because no one can afford anything and they're all working four jobs. Yep. That ties into kind of the be a fucking man, Luke. It's yeah. people do not take responsibility for their actions. And I think that's a huge issue that I don't know how you teach that. I don't know how you go about telling people that because it's not like I can go to Luke and say, Luke, you're wrong for doing this. Everybody has their own insight and their own mentality of why they sure. did it. So, but I feel like that's a really big issue. You know, yeah. you, you make your own bed really. Yeah. Yeah, so, Luke. And on on that episode too, uh, my dad was just in, in Arizona and he's he had just listened to it on the way. And uh, he actually loved the episode and, you know, cause I was like, I don't know how he'd take it. I would assume yep. that he liked it. Cause I think it was very passionate, but it was just like, yeah, just kind of laying out, like be a man. And that's yep. really what we talked about. And uh, yeah, in my opinion too, it's like, you know, when you're 18 years old, it, it's, it's a shame that you can take that much money out just that easily. And that's what everyone's doing. Um, so there's a huge issue and a huge flaw there, but uh, also like, you know, everyone's telling us to go to college and take, take out 40, 60, 80 K in debt. And it's That's just it. a number. Everyone in your you life know? is telling you to go do that. Why yeah. would you argue? Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, that's it's just makes sense. more mature. Yeah. See yeah. where they are in life. You're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. They did it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, sure. Surely if my guidance counselor, if my teachers, my parents, everyone is telling me 
go to college or you'll fail. That's every authority figure in my life that means anything right now. Like, why would I go against all of them and choose this path that everyone's telling me I'm going to fail at? And that's, again, where I'm getting these kids that they just need that hand on their back of someone that's actually in the industry saying, you're being fucking lied to, man. I'm sorry, but you're being lied to. And we got you. If you come over to this side of the fence, we've got you. You're going to have a good paying job. You're going to have a lucrative career. You just have to put effort in. That's all we require. We don't require sitting in a classroom for an ungodly amount of hours. We don't require you pay 60 grand up front for your admission. We just require you fucking put some effort in. Yep. That's a pretty low ticket to admission. It is. Man, we uh Luke, we should have had Brian on the be a fucking man episode. No shit. Brian. I'm all about could, it. I'm all we about could do it. A be I, a fucking man part Luke. two or be a woman we, part we, two. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> there you go. we could do uh we could do a part two. I think that, that episode actually did really well. And I think people love just yeah, I mean, we talked about invoicing. We talked about being a man. We just dove into it. And I think it was just you and I, Luke, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a you and I special. Special. It, it's hard, man. I mean, and 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 Luke kind of, Luke Payne kind of touched on a little bit, but, but I go a step further uh, and say that really just just kind of values overall, I feel like, are eroding. And, and I'm not even going down the road of being a Christian and being held to some standard or something. I mean, just genuine, like, just looking out for the guy next to you we have become so self-centered and and we only care about what we can get out of the deal and then you turn around and you fuck the guy next to you because you know what i got ahead and i feel like america has really just kind of dove head first down this road and it's not just at a personal level that affects people like businesses are having huge impacts because employees don't give a shit mm-hmm. All I care about is getting my paycheck and then I'm getting out of here, which I understand. I get that. But at the same time, if the business is looking out for the employee and the employee is looking out for the business, that's a synergistic relationship that will go somewhere. Mm -hmm. But when the business is trying to fuck the employee out of money and the employee is trying to fuck the business out of time, trying to get extra days off or whatever that is, that's where we are right now. And it's not working and everyone's complaining about it, but no one's willing to be a fucking man about it and own up to the fact that, Oh, I have to stop being such a selfish prick to everybody. Like start putting other people first. And if everyone starts doing that, all of a sudden this whole train turns right around. Don't cut off the hand that feeds you. Absolutely. That is, I I remember my parents. There's no better way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. I, my parents said that to me all the time. And it, it obviously I understood what it meant, but like, I feel like people don't understand what it means until they're like, Oh, Hey, that's kind of fucking me when I do that. Or how, oh, Hey, maybe I probably shouldn't do that. That's going to affect me in the long run. So I always thought right that now, it was, I always thought that it was don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Maybe oh, I heard he it. Different. He said, don't cut off the hand. Oh, I, I, you know what? I think both so many times my mind just filled it in for you. (laughs) I think think both could work. I mean, obviously there's there's two sides to that one. If you cut it off, you know, say somebody is milking the clock on a business side and they're like, I don't care. I'm just here to get paid. Yeah. It's probably, you know, that could be biting your cutting off. I don't know. I I think that's even better. So I'm going to start using that one. Yeah. Don't cut off the hand. We're going, yeah, we're going deep with this one. I like that one. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's just. That's such a major, major issue in our country is that we, is we've gotten super, super greedy, I feel like, and, and we're just completely, 
a lot of us are selfish. I'll actually use the word selfish. A ton of us are selfish, but I think a lot of it too is just being self-centered. And if you really think about self-centered, we use it in such a horrifically negative context, like you're just an outright asshole. But self-centered is just, you literally don't think about other people. And I do think there's a big portion of this country that literally just doesn't think about other people. Like it never occurs to them that me deciding I didn't want to do this podcast randomly this afternoon and and going for a walk with my kids instead. Like there's no thought beyond that. It's just, this is what I want to do and I'm going to go do it. It doesn't, like there's no thought into, oh, well, both of the Lukes had their afternoon arranged for me to be on this show and their time is also valuable and I'm totally disrespecting them by doing that. There's just, they don't even go down that path. It's just, oh, I want to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a walk instead. Yeah, that's true. I think that's, that's a major issue that we're seeing in the trades right now is these kids just... There's no thought beyond what I want in the moment. And and you yeah. have to think beyond what you want in the moment. And that's not just the trades. That's everything in life. Yep. The trades just hit you with it a lot faster because you get to be a kid and play in college for four to six more years than you would had you gotten into the trades. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Brian, we're just like excited to, you know, we see this huge problem and like we all know we can't do it by ourselves. So like just Absolutely. taking that, that small piece and then just owning it and like doing it, giving it your all, you know, to help the industry, you know, I think we will see that movement. And I think I've seen a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, it, it's exciting to me, I guess I'm probably more on the optimistic side, even though it's very scary when you think of, you know, when everyone does start retiring, but yeah. um, it's just a huge problem that has to be solved. And so I'm excited to like, you know, keep, bringing people together and keep, you know, doing things like these to uh, really help the problem and not like make it worse. I'm a firm believer in these sort of conversations. Um, and, and that's why we started Sweat and Grime. That's why I pushed this yeah. narrative in Diesel and Iron. That's why I try to get it out in any platform I can. Because if you think about a stadium of people, if everyone's screaming something different, it's just fucking noise. But if all of a sudden that stadium starts screaming a phrase it is an overwhelming resounding sound that you cannot ignore and ultimately i feel like that's what we have to do as the trades is we have to have these conversations so that collectively through our podcast through all of these platforms that message that message spreads and now when you talk to a tradesman about what the problem is with the trades instead of you as a white collar guy or someone outside of the industry getting 10 different answers to where it's I don't know what the problem is. It sounds like you guys are the problem. Now, all of a sudden, we're all on the same page. We're all saying the exact same bullet points. And all of a sudden, everyone's going, oh, we got a fucking problem. and We need to address it. But that hasn't happened yet. But that's why I get excited about these conversations. Yeah, definitely, man. And yeah, we just can't thank you enough, like you said, for taking your time to being on this, uh, the Dirtbags podcast and being on the show. I know, you know, we were on the the Sweat and Grime podcast before, and uh, which is always a blast. But yeah, man, just, we're just going to keep like putting that next foot forward and like keep doing our thing. And, you know, it's just cool to see guys like you and obviously Rick and Matt out there, you know, just doing your thing, but, um, we appreciate you and we appreciate your time and thank you to, you know, everyone listening to, for diving into this conversation. Obviously there's like so much more that needs to happen after this conversation. Um, but just what an incredible opportunity to get to talk to you today, Brian. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate obviously being a part of this conversation it's it's not like i'm talking at you guys we're we're right. i'm talking with you guys and just having others 
in this united front with us like that i'm all about it and uh and yeah i appreciate you guys having me on it's been great yeah absolutely brian it was great yeah so go check them out brian furnace um go check out his youtube channel we've got diesel and iron and then the sweat and grime podcast thanks again man and uh we appreciate you see you guys